Great. How are you doing, everyone? So good to see you. If you got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, it's not a train smash. Most of the key verses for this morning will be up on the screen. And uh, if you are new here, I want to add my welcome to the welcome that you've already received. My name is Mbonisi, and I'm part of the team that uh, leads One Tribe Church. And it's great to have you here this morning. And if you're joining us online, uh, it's great to have you too. We hope that you feel part of it and that you feel at home because you probably are at home, but I think you know what I mean. And so we are in the third part of our series, preaching verse by verse through the book of Acts. And uh, we've come to a very interesting passage this morning. It's a passage um, that takes place on a day called the Day of Pentecost. And it is uh, a day on which Jesus' followers are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, some of you may be familiar with the term, some of you may be not so familiar with the term. And through the course of this morning, what I'm hoping to do is answer questions like, baptism in the Holy Spirit, whose idea was this anyway? And baptism in the Holy Spirit, why, why is it so important? Why is this phrase even in the Bible? And why do um, um, some churches um, think about it this way and other churches think about it that way? And uh, some people have questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, questions like baptism in the Holy Spirit. What, 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 what does it actually involve and how do I know whether I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit like Jesus promised? And it is a promise from Jesus. And so this morning we'll be talking about uh, Pentecost under three big, big pieces, if you like. We're going to talk about Pentecost's promise, we're going to talk about Pentecost's purpose, and we're going to talk about Pentecost's power. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive um, pretty much, pretty much straight into God's Word. So God, we thank you that uh, nothing, nothing comes close to your embrace. Thank you that you're a God who is real. Thank you that you're a God who is close. And thank you that because of your love, you love to embrace sinners like me, sinners like us, and fill us with your love, fill us with your power. And as best we know how, we welcome you to come and do exactly that this morning. As I speak and as, as we all listen, would you fill us with your spirit? We're in Acts chapter 2 this morning, God, and we haven't even got to Acts chapter 10 where Peter's preaching, and while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit is poured out in power on people who've never even heard the good news about Jesus before. God, if you can do that, how much more? How much more today in Nairobi? Could you come... And clothe this congregation with power from on high. God, we, we're hungry and thirsty for you. We're not exactly sure of all that that could possibly mean. But God, we do want to say we, we want more of you in our lives. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, if you agree with that and you'd love more of a good God in your life, would you say amen? Great. If you've been here for any length of time, um, you'll know that I don't talk about myself 
that much. And um, there, there are a number of reasons for that. One of that is personality. One of that is because I believe that um, when we have time, precious time on a Sunday morning, that we want to talk about Jesus more than we want to talk about any particular individual. And so I, I don't spend much time talking about myself, but I thought that it would be helpful to take just a couple of minutes to share one story from my life. Uh, and that was uh, pertains to this whole topic of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And share out of my personal walk with you, I just want to make it clear that this is my walk, okay? And my walk is not your walk. It cannot be your walk. God has a for you. He has a purpose for you. I shouldn't try and be Calvin. If I try and be Calvin, I'll always be second best because no one can do Calvin quite like Calvin does Calvin. And so God has a unique walk and plan for each of us. And um, when, I, when I share my story, you're, it, it's, it's actually not, it's not an extraordinary walk with God. It's a very ordinary walk, but it's an ordinary walk with an extraordinary God. And so as, 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 as we share out of our lives, or I share out of my life, you might hear my story and think that actually your story is more dramatic than my story. And if that's the case, that's wonderful. It's great that your story is more dramatic. Or you might hear my story and think that your story is less dramatic than my story. And that's fine as well because my story is not your story. Your story isn't my story. But I, 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 I don't remember the day that I got saved. I don't have one of those stories which sometimes as Christians we wish we had where we had this, um, you know, Damascus Road experience after being immersed in a lifestyle of sex and drugs and rock and roll. And then out of that, Jesus came and saved us. And now, it's, I don't have a story quite like that, um, but, but I, I don't remember the day that I got saved, but I do remember quite clearly the day that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was about 16 years old. And to give you a bit of background, I was in Zimbabwe in Southern Africa, and uh, I was about 16. And uh, my, my older brother, he's about five or six years older than me, he went to university in another country. And so he was away from home. And after a year or two, we started to from this other country. And so one report came saying that my brother had joined another church. Now, this was slightly controversial. We were a good Anglican family, but he had joined another church. We're like, okay, he's joined another church in this other country. And then we started to receive more reports that he's been baptized in a pool. And this was frankly disturbing. Anyway, he came back, and um, he'd been going to another church in another country. He'd been baptized in a pool. Did I mention it was in a pool? And he's, be, he's back now, and um, he, uh, I, remember, I remember we were uh, praying together in the car about something, and that's the first time I ever heard someone praying in tongues. We were in the car, we were praying, and then my, my brother started to pray in this unearthly language, and it sent a chill down my spine. Now, as an aside, my brother probably knew that it would freak me out, but he's an older brother, and older brothers do things like that and other despicable things that you could probably list from your experience of your older brothers. But that was the first time that I heard praying in tongues, and uh, he was doing a weekly Bible study in our Anglican church, and he probably wasn't allowed to, but that's another matter. But he was doing a weekly Bible study on the Holy Spirit, and one day he arrived, and he he, he said to everyone very confidently at the start of this Bible study that by the end of this meeting, you're all going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. And uh, he taught into the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And then uh, he said, let's all stand up and we're going to pray and ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and to receive the gift of tongues. And we'll talk a bit about tongues and we'll talk about all of this, but but. 
uh, we all stood up. And uh, he, he looked very confident, but, but he told me years later that he was actually terrified. Because that's the fear, isn't it? Is that you, you lay hands on someone and then all of a sudden, nothing happens. <laughs> And uh, he, he, he looked very confident, but he was terrified. And he told me years later that um, I was the second person that he prayed for. He, and he told me years later he made sure that I wasn't the first. And he said that the reason he made sure that I wasn't the first is because I was his little brother. He knew me. He knew that I wasn't going to do any play acting for my brother. He knew that if nothing was happening, I wasn't going to shake, laugh, roll over, or play dead. I was going to say, nothing's happening, big brother. What's going on, big brother? No, Holy Spirit. He knew that I was that kind of guy. It gives you a bit of insight into me. But then I was the second person he prayed for, and he laid hands on me. I prayed that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was, and I began to, 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 to speak in, 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 a, in a language I couldn't understand. And as I stood there sensing this incredible connection, connection to God that I'd never sensed in that way before. I don't describe myself as the touchy-feely type. Nothing wrong with being the touchy-feely type. I'm just not that type. I, I wouldn't describe myself like that, but as, 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 as I stood there, receiving of God's Holy Spirit, I, 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 I felt someone holding my hands and it was so real that, 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 I, that I, op- I opened my eyes just to see who's holding my hands. While I'm standing here with my eyes closed, I opened my eyes. There was absolutely no one there that I could see anyway. I'll testify to this day that my, my testimony would be that, 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 that God came close in that embrace we were singing about. And he, he held my hands in the very real person of the Holy Spirit. And that, that, that was my introduction to the spirit-filled life. Now, I don't want your faith to rest on the experience of any other human being. That's why we're going to be studying scripture for the next half or so. And then after that, we're going to stand stand together and we're going to ask God for more of his Holy Spirit in our lives. It's that simple. You say, what's going to happen? Well, I'm not exactly sure because I'm not the Holy Spirit. But we do see some pointers that I want you to see in Scripture. Don't take it from me. But I want us to begin to be expectant for more of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, man, I've, I've heard about this Holy Spirit. Show me where the, where's the exit signs over here. I need to get out of here as soon as possible. Because when people start talking about the Holy Spirit, people start talking about crazy stuff. Well, I hope that whatever we talk about this morning you'll see is biblical. Or you might hear talk about the Holy Spirit and you might be going, oh, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I, brother, I was saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1984. Haven't looked back since. Or you might think, no, actually, don't you know? Ooh, don't you know? Haven't you read your Bible that says that, 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 that all of us are filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit when we get saved? Well, if that's you, I uh, sometimes think about this talk of being 
baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two images come to mind that I got from a friend of mine. When some of us think of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we get this picture of the cat in our minds. This cat has been, it's been baptized, been dunked in something. We're not exactly sure what, but you kind of get the expression from this cat on the TV screen that it doesn't want it to happen again. This cat is, I've had my bath for the, for the, for, for the year and I don't really want another bath. Thank you very much. And that's how some of us are as Christians. We've been there, we've done that, and we'd rather not talk about it. Thank you very much. But actually, the Bible calls every single follower of Christ through verses like Ephesians 5, verse 18, which says, it says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's not the kind of thing that we do like our once-a-year bath in this cat, but when we think about Christians and Christ followers and our experience of the Spirit, it should be more like this hippo. That's my hippo voice. Can you see him wallowing the water? He's just like, this is where I hang out. And if I step out of the water for a while, I'm going to step back into the water. You're all looking at me, wondering where is he going next. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm slightly distracted because I'm thinking of Madagascar and there's a hippo there called Moto Moto. You know, you know Moto Moto? Name's so nice, you got to say it twice. And he's just like, oh man, and he, 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 the hippos love being in the water. That's where you and I are called to be, filled with the Holy Spirit. But man, actually, when you go through the book of Acts, Peter's filled in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, he's filled again. And then he's, you see Peter being filled multiple times. And there's this experience that we're going to be describing where you and I are called to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit to keep on relying on and drawing upon and asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the Holy Spirit is infinite. Because God is infinite. It is infinite. And so he always has more of himself to give and different manifestations that you and I can explore together. That's what we're going to be exploring together today. So I just want to encourage you, whatever your background is, ask God for more of his Holy Spirit. All right, let's dive into our first kind of big piece for this morning. We're going to talk about Pentecost's promise or whose idea was this anyway. And by the way, as, as we get there, one of the ways that we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit as a church is about three times a year, we run a morning called Thirst. And Thirst is for people who are saying, Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of his belly, out of his innermost being will flow streams of living water. Is that how your work colleagues would describe you? It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a cool drink from a fountain. That's what it's like being around people who are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we run this event. It's a, it's a half day, a morning event called First. We run it uh, three Saturdays a year. And the next one is coming up on the 17th of April. And so I just want to encourage you. That we are going to ask God to fill you, um, uh, to fill us this morning. But uh, if, whatever you get this morning, there's more at Thirst. And we'll be talking about that over the coming weeks. But I just want to encourage us to be people who have a lifestyle like this hippo of being immersed and continually immersing ourselves in the things of the Spirit. That's, that's the journey that the disciples went on in Acts chapter 2. We're going to talk about Pentecost's promise. And so... Um, Acts 2 is our text. We're going to go back a bit to chapter 1 where Luke explains to us that this book of Acts is all about Jesus. We've spoken about that over the last couple of weeks. Jesus is the star of the book of Acts, not you. 
And in Acts 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus introduces you and I to the co-star of the book of Acts. Check it out. Acts 1, 4, he says, on one occasion, Dr. Luke writes, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave his disciples this command, hey team, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gifts. Can everyone say gifts? My father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John, remember John? John, uh, camel hair coat and bare feet, bad breath. The bad breath bit is from me, but the rest is actually John. John was the water baptizer, and John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There are about 8,000 promises in the Old Testament, some people reckon, but uh, only one that Jesus and recorded by Luke, is singled out as the gift that my father promised. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells them and us two things that we need to know about the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I want us to get, and this is so important, the first thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that he is a gift. Can everyone say gift? You may have heard the story of the guy from Karif. He was um, at work and he, 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 uh, it was lunchtime and so he pick up uh, a soda. And uh, he was in a hurry, he had to rush back to work, didn't have time for a full lunch. And so he gets to Carrefour, goes to the fridges, and he picks up the uh, soda from the fridge, and he walks to the counter. The 10 and under items is uh, closed at this time. And so he walks over. As he's arriving at the till, he meets another lady. And this lady, she's um, kind of got, got two kids tugging at her dress, and she's actually got, got two shopping trolleys. And he figures she's just moved into town because one of the shopping trolleys is full of TV and home appliances and the other is stacked up with groceries for a family of three or four for a month and he looks at his watch he's left for work and he says to this lady listen would you mind if I just pop in front of you all I've got is this soda she says yeah it's fine so he gets in front of her in the line and he puts his soda on the counter as soon as he puts his soda on the counter lights start flashing and music starts going off and and the the manager of the store comes up to him and says congratulations sir you are Carrefour's 10 millionth customer and so everything that you are buying today is free now our guy he looks at the soda on the counter he doesn't bat an eyelid. He turns to the lady next to him with the two kids and the two trolleys and says, darling, we've won. Isn't that great? And then they start stacking the TVs and the home appliances and the groceries for a month. And then they, 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 they check it all through. And the lady, as she's finishing putting things into her non-plastic bag, she's finished loading things up. She looks for the guy to say thank you. He's already gone off with his soda. And what he had earned, she got completely for free. She didn't work for it. She didn't need to deserve it or not deserve it. And that's a picture, and it's an important picture for what you and I need to understand Jesus has done in giving us the gift. That means he's free. That means... Jesus paid for this so that you don't have to pay. 
And team, this is why this is so important, because sometimes you can come to a Sunday meeting and you can think we're praying to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And depending on your background, you're thinking, oh, man, but, but I, I haven't prayed and fasted this week for 40 days for the Holy Spirit. Well, if that's you, good news. He's a gift and he's free. You don't have to earn him by your impressive record of Christian service. In fact, he comes to help you to serve and glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a free gift. If you look back on the last week and think, man, if I was God, I wouldn't be giving myself the Holy Spirit because I'm not good enough. My friend, I, 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 I want to challenge the pride in your life. Pride? No, no, I was saying I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah, but that, that mindset is prideful for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because uh, if you think that you could ever perform well enough to deserve the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you are overrating your spiritual potential outside of God's help. Second thing is that the, the, the only way God comes to give the Holy Spirit to sinful people like you and I so that we can live lives pleasing to him. That's why he comes as a free gift. It's not, I'll get up here and then I'll get the Holy Spirit and he'll help me a bit. It's no, 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 no. Holy Spirit, I'm, 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 just, I'm just a child of God and I need your help. Please come and fill me. So friends, the Holy Spirit's completely free. If you're thirsty, that's the only qualification. Jesus tells us two things as he talks about this promise of Pentecost. The first thing is that he's a gift. And the second thing is that he's from the Father. And because he's from the Father, we can know that he is good. I just find these, these truths from Jesus so, so helpful and so, so foundational. And I hope that they're encouraging you to say, actually, if I was going to ask God for this much of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm going to ask for this much. Why? Because he's free. You don't have to pay. But more than that, friends, he's, he's a gift that the Father has promised. And when Jesus says the Father's promised something to you, you can know that it is good. Sometimes when we come and ask God for more of his Holy Spirit, one of the fears that we can have is that I'm, I'm going to get something that's, 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 that's not nice. And if, if, I'm, if, if, if I'm too receptive, if I want it too much, maybe I'll get something evil instead of something good. That's why when Jesus was training his disciples, again, Dr. Luke records it in Luke chapter 11. Turn there if you've got your Bibles. It's up on the screen. Luke says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Anyone here like that? 
Chris Foot, I'm, I've got my eye on you. I'm a little bit concerned about you. But other fathers, I'm pretty. No, he's a great father. Jesus says this, if you then, and he means in comparison to the good heavenly father, if you then, though you are evil, you're sinful, you are human, you are fallen, if even you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So friends, my encouragement, that's why we're going to ask this morning because you've got a good heavenly father and he loves to give. And what he gives, you can know, is good. Then the last bit of Jesus' promise is interesting. He promises them, all of them, that they'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit in a few days. And... Uh, I want you to think about this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. They are believers. Jesus has already died for their sin. These people he's talking to have already seen him risen from the dead and believed in him. In John 20 verse 22, Jesus has already said to them, receive the Holy Spirit as he breathes on them. They are saved at this point in time. And he says to these people who are already believers in the risen Christ, he says to them, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not, 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 not you already have been, but says you're not yet baptized in the Spirit, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he gives this incredible comparison between John, the water baptizer, and Jesus, the Spirit baptizer. Jesus says, you know, John baptized with water. His disciples go, yeah. He says, well, in a few days, you will be baptized. That's a passive verb. It means someone else does it to them. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the comparison is between John, the water baptizer. What happened with John, the water baptizer is that people would come up to John and they'd say, John, please baptize me. To be baptized by John, the water baptizer, all you needed was three things. You need a John because he's the water baptizer. You need a baptizee. Is that a word, by the way? Let's make it up today because it's fun. You need a water baptizer. You need a water baptizee. And you need some water if it's a water baptism. Does that make sense? You just need a water baptizer, you need a water baptizer, and you need some water, and you can have a great baptism going on right there. And Jesus says, well, just like John baptized in water, you will be baptized. That means someone else is going to do it to you. That means you don't have to be a professional baptizee. It means that Jesus, the expert spirit baptizer, is the one who baptizes you and I in the Holy Spirit. And to be baptized, to be spirit baptized, you only need three things. You need a spirit baptizer, and his name is, help me out. You've got it. Well done, one tribe. You need a baptizee, that would be you. And you need something to baptize them in, and that is the Holy Spirit. Why is this, I hope for you, helpful and releasing? It's helpful and releasing because when we stand up at the end of this meeting and ask for God to fill us with more of his Holy Spirit, you actually don't necessarily need the Holy Ghost man for the hour with the power to 
come and lay hands on you so that you'll really get it. No, 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 you're not coming to me. You're not coming to a leader in this church. You are coming to Jesus. He is the Spirit baptizer. That's why when Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit says, hey, Jesus is a time. Jesus says, let's do this thing. And he baptizes the whole congregation in his spirits before the sermon is over, which would make a lot of preachers unhappy, I would have you know. But there's all that, that is all that is needed. That means you can be watching this online at home. And if you're, if you're thirsty, that means that you are a, water, a spirit baptizee. And Jesus, the spirit baptizer, can come to you right where you are and baptize you, immerse you in the wonderful Holy Spirit. That's good news, friends. So we believe in laying on of hands because we see that in the Bible, but man, the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than that, and he's infinite and has so many ways that he wants to be poured out on anyone who is thirsty. Is this making sense? All right. Oh, oh, this, 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 this is really good. When people had just had a visit to John, the water baptizer. Do you know that after they were baptized by John, this is profound, only some of you are going to get this. After they've been baptized by John, do you know that they actually knew that they had been baptized? Did you know that? You say, okay, thank you, Captain Obvious. Well, Jesus said, well, just like John baptized, water baptized, you will be spirit baptized. And the reason I make this point is because a lot of Christians believe, and some of you might believe, some of you might believe, no, 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 no. Um, actually, when you've been baptized by the, in the Holy Spirit, um, it's, it's just something that happens, and uh, it can happen. All Christians have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They just didn't notice it. It happened when they got saved that they just didn't notice it. A lot of people believe that. Wish I had time to unpack that, but the best statement is from a, a Bible scholar by the name of John Piper. John Piper writes this. He says, when you take your concordance and look up every text in Acts where the Holy Spirit works in believers, this is important, it is never subconscious. John Piper continues, in Acts, the Holy Spirit is not a silent influence, but an experienced power. Believers experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to ask God to keep his promise and fill us with the Holy Spirit, the free, good gift from a perfect, heavenly Father. And our next point is about why it's incredibly important. In other words, we're going to talk about Pentecost's purpose. And now we are in Acts chapter 2. 2 verse 1 up on the screen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This reminds me of a story. I find it funny. You probably won't find it funny, but that's okay. I'm going to tell it anyway. It's a story of a son who loved his father very much. And um, he loved to get, his love language was gift giving. And he loved to get his father the most creative gifts that he could. He prided himself in each year of doing himself from the previous year. And so, uh, you know, a couple of years it was 
one extravagant thing, another extravagant thing. Last year, he got him a skydiving experience. So like five skydiving lessons and then a skydive, jumping out of a plane in a parachute. And he was wondering, how do I top that this year? He wasn't sure until he found the perfect gift that would outdo all the other gifts that he had given his father before. He got his father a parrot that could speak 17 different languages. And he was here in Nairobi in the parrot, and he had the parrot shipped up, up country where his father was to get there just in time for his birthday. And he spent a few days just kind of waiting to hear what his father thinks about the present when he couldn't contain himself anymore. He called his father up on the phone and said, uh, you made some small talk, but he couldn't contain himself anymore. He said, dad, how did you find the present? How did you find the gift? And the father says to the son, son, the gift, thank you. It was, it was amazing. It was delicious. If you're going to receive a gift, it's important you know what purpose it is for. And that is true for the good and perfect gift of the Holy Spirit. What was Pentecost's purpose? Pentecost's purpose is partly revealed in the fact that Jesus said, wait, you're going to be filled. And then the Bible says it was on the day of Pentecost. Now, I can almost kind of imagine the angels saying, hey, God, is, is this day good? The day before Pentecost, God says, no. And the angel says, okay, what about the day after Pentecost? God says, no, 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 on the day of Pentecost. And Bible believers believe, believe that, Bible scholars believe that it was on the day of Pentecost because Pentecost was actually a feast uh, one of the three major feasts, it just means Pentecost means 50th. It was 50 days after Passover, and uh, Pentecost was one of the three major feasts where people would come to Jerusalem and gather, and it symbolized two things that point us to the purpose of Pentecost and the purpose of being baptized, immersed, like John immersed in water. Us, the purpose of us being immersed like hippos in water, in the, the, the person and power of the Holy Spirit, comes from two things. The first is that the, 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 the day of Pentecost was part of a feast that was also called the Feast of Harvest. And what would happen is that the, the nation of Israel would bring their crops into the temp temple and give thanks to God in anticipation that a great harvest was coming in. But then later on, they also took that opportunity to separate the time when 50 days after Passover, God came down on Mount Sinai and gave the nation of Israel the laws to teach them how to live in a way that pleases God and is a blessing to the nations. But you know, Israel failed terribly. But they, they kept on remembering this day of Pentecost. And Bible scholars would say that the reason that God wanted the Spirit to come on the day of Pentecost was because at a time when the nation of Israel was remembering that they had received the law, a law that they broke every single day of their lives, a law that you and I break continually. That's when God wanted to keep his promise from the Old Testament prophets that one day God would give us a new heart. 
and he would write his law, not on tablets of stone. This is beautiful, but write his law on our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the purpose of Pentecost is to come and write God's law on our hearts and make us want to do things that are pleasing to our good Heavenly Father and not just want to do them, but give us the power to do them. One Bible scholar, his name is Michael Eaton, used to say that if you walk in the Spirit deliberately, you will fulfill the law accidentally. The Holy Spirit comes to help us live lives that are pleasing to our Father, but the Holy Spirit also comes to empower us to bring in a harvest of souls saved and reconciled to their Heavenly Father. And on Pentecost, before the sun sets, 3,000 people have responded to the gospel and have been brought into the kingdom as a glorious harvest. Friends, that is the purpose of Pentecost. Why is this important? It's important because the purpose of Pentecost is not for everyone to fall over. That's how some people think of church. It's like ring a ring a rosy. Do you know ring a ring a rosy? We used to sing it in, uh, in nursery schools. If you're looking blank, I can, would anyone, Emma, would you like to come and show us ring a, no, she would not. But you play a song, nursery school, you go, ring a ring a rosy, a pocket full of posies, a tissue, a tissue. <laughs> you don't want to play this in a pandemic. We, we all fall down. That's what people think that the Holy Spirit is about. Isn't it about where we, churches where everyone falls down? No, 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 no. It's about churches where people have the law of God tattooed on their hearts and are empowered to live lives that are glorifying to their heavenly Father and who are empowered to go out into the world and bring in a harvest for the Son and for the Father. That is the purpose. And friends, this is crucial because when we get up and ask for more of God's Spirit, I don't care whether you fall down or not. If you fall down, it's the Holy Spirit, great. You don't fall down because it's not the Holy Spirit, great. Because that's not the purpose. We get the purpose from Scripture. You still tracking with me? Going to start a countdown scene. Flames of fire came to rest, every single one of them. I love that because uh, someone needs to hear this this morning. I know what it's like. I was sharing in our life group just some of my experience with the Holy Spirit. I, I, I know what it's like to come up and the preacher says come up and the leaders say come up and they say I'm going to pray for people. I know what it's like when the man of God with the, with the power for the hour is uh, laying hands on people and he falls down and the next person falls down. And then they come and lay hands on me and they would pray their, uh, their power prayer and I feel absolutely nothing. And they move on to the next person, on to the next person. I'd be like, hey, God, what, what about me? Don't you want to fill me with your Holy Spirit? And sometimes even when you come for a Sunday like this, you can feel we're going to stand up at the end. That's great, and I don't mind that, but I can tell you one thing. I would be willing to bet money that God's going to fill every single person in this room with his Holy Spirit except me. And if that's you, my friend, I just want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, start following him now. It's a great time. 
But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, every single follower of Jesus had a flame of fire come and rest on them. And they start speaking in heavenly languages. A crowd gathers, says, what's going on? Peter gets up and gives a lead, and he, he points them back to a promise of the Father from an Old Testament prophet. But I think that this will encourage you. You can read it in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. Peter says, no, this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. Joel said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, listen to this, on all people. My last pastor, I think he's the Bible, said all flesh. And he would say, have you got flesh? Grab some of your flesh. He's like, yeah, we, I'm, I'm flesh. He says, you qualify. If you believe in Jesus, I'll pour my spirit on all people. You see, up until the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would only come on specific people at specific times for specific purposes. But Joel says, no, no, there's a day that's coming when it won't be like that, when, when it won't be just, just, just a prophets and kings and, and judges. But God's going to pour out His Spirit on all people. Everyone who believes in Jesus and gathers at Das Bayern on a Sunday morning in March in Nairobi in 21, all of them can be filled. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I just love it. Kogi got uh, 11-year-old Noah up to, 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 to pray as the kids go out. Fantastic. But that's not all that's promised. Let's claim this for our children, folks. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men, can some young men say, Ahu? Okay. Young men, you will see visions. Your old men, can some old men go, ah? Old men will dream dreams. Doesn't matter what, what your occupation is. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So that's Pentecost's promise. I hope that that's clear, that the Holy Spirit is a good gift promised by a free gift promised to you by a good heavenly Father. We've spoken about Pentecost's purpose, which is to come and enable us to live lives that we can't live in our own strength and empower us for the mission that God has given us. And now in our remaining moments, I want to talk briefly about Pentecost's power. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now here's a question, okay, I believe it, it's been promised to me and it is good. I understand its purpose. It's to help me to live God's law from the inside out so that every fiber of my being brings glory to him and I can be part of his army, bringing in souls from the nations. But what actually happens when God pours out his spirit in power? Well, we see in the book of Acts, and that's a great example. That's what happens. But in some ways, a lot of people would argue an even better example is when Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you say that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, many people would, and it's, it's, it's here in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. And, uh, sorry, Luke 4, verse 18. Don't take my words for it. Take Jesus' words for it. Luke 4, verse 18. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. 
That sounds like someone who's had the Spirit come upon them. Now, Luke 4 is just after Luke 3. And in Luke 3, we see something interesting happen. Luke 3, verse 21. Uh, it's not up on the screen, so you just have to follow me or turn in your Bible very quickly. But it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as Jesus was praying, we're going to pray in a few moments. Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Did you hear the voice? Did you hear what it said? It said to Jesus, the eternal Son of God, it said, you are my Son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Friends, as I see it in Scripture, this is as close as you can get to the heart of what it means when Jesus pours out Spirit on people like you and the Spirit gives us the deepest possible awareness that we are sons and daughters of a perfect heavenly Father, that we are loved with all the passion of eternity, and that our heavenly Father is pleased with us, not because of our impressive performance, but because we are in Jesus, the only one who has earned the Father's approval. Friends, that is good news brought to us by the good gift, the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see that this is a theme traced throughout the pages of Scripture. It's what happens with Jesus when the Holy Spirit came down. You are my son, I love you. I am pleased with you. It happens to you and I when the Holy Spirit comes down. That's why Paul says in Romans 8 verse 15, he says, you received the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. Have you had that experience? The spirit himself testifies, Romans 8, with our spirit that we are God's children. Doesn't that sound like what happened when the Spirit came down on Jesus? Paul talks about it in Romans. He talks about it in Galatians. 4 verse 6, he says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That is the heart of it. So friends, when the Holy Spirit comes, some things can change. There might be a sound like a rushing wind. There might not. There might be tongues of fire come rest on everyone. There might not. There might be tongues, earthly languages that people who are listening understand, even though the people speaking them don't understand them, or they might not. But the essence, when the Spirit comes upon us, is He wants to tattoo into the depths of your heart that God in heaven is your perfect Father and He loves you. One last thing, then we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit, yeah? I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, no, 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 wait, wait, wait a second. Do I need the Holy Spirit to know that God loves me? 
Isn't that what the Bible's for? I mean, we, we, we sung when we were children in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the tells me so. And friends, that is a great place to start. But when Jesus was baptized in water by John the baptizer, and he came up and the heavens were opened, and a voice spoke as the Spirit came down in bodily form, that voice didn't say, Jesus! Read your Bible. So the Holy Spirit came down. The voice spoke and said, You are my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Wife complains to her husband. How come you don't tell me anymore that you love me? This is not a prophetic word, by the way. I'm just giving an illustration. And the husband says to him, look, I told you on our wedding day, I love you. If anything changes, I will let you know. Is that good enough? Men, guys, shake your heads. That's, it's a hint. And your heavenly father loves to tell you again and again, you are my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. I want us to stand together as I go through this last illustration. The band, you can come up and start leading us in worship, because I want us to worship Jesus. Because as we worship Jesus and remind ourselves of the Father's love for us, that's when the Spirit loves to come. Stopped in good time now because I, I don't want us to rush this. I want us to wait on God and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, Joel said that all flesh, all people will receive him. He said that people will prophesy. People will dream dreams and see visions. And we're going to trust God for that this morning. But at the heart of it is the Father's voice through the Spirit, testifying with our spirits that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Yes, the Bible tells you so, but Martin Lloyd-Jones, great British preacher, Welsh, Emma, no less, He describes a picture. I want you to picture this in your mind. He says it's, a, it's like a child walking along holding his father's hand. All is well. The child is happy. He feels secure. His father loves him. He believes that his father loves him. But there's no unusual urge to talk about this or sing about it. It is true and it is pleasant. Then, suddenly, the father startles the child by reaching down and sweeping him up into his arms and hugging him tightly and kissing him on the neck and whispering, I love you so much. And then holding the stunned child back so he can look into his face and say with all his heart, I'm so glad you are mine. Then hugging him once more with unspeakable warmth and affection he puts the child down and they continue 
to walk. This is what happens when a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit. A pleasant and happy walk with God is swept up into an unspeakable new level of joy and love and assurance and reality that leaves the Christian so utterly certain of the immediate reality of Jesus that he is overflowing in praise and more free and bold in witness than he ever imagined he could be. Lloyd-Jones concludes the child is simply stunned. He doesn't know whether to cry or shout or fall down or run. He is so happy. The fuses of love are so overloaded, they almost blow out. The subconscious doubts that he wasn't thinking about at the time, but that pop up every now and then are gone. And in their place is utter and indestructible assurance so that you know that you know that you know that God is real and that Jesus lives and that you are loved and that to be saved is the greatest thing in the world and as you walk on down the street you can scarcely contain yourself and you want to cry out, my father loves me. My father loves me. Oh, what a great father I have. What a father. What a father. Jesus, we come to you, the perfect son. He said no one can know the father except through you. You said to receive your spirit, to be baptized in your spirit, to get filled with your spirit. You said, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Well, Jesus, because it's your promise, we ask you now to come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come and clothe us with power from on high. As we worship, would you fill your people? Would you immerse us in your spirit? That's where we want to be. I'm going to start singing in a moment. I just want to encourage you, under your breath or out loud, just in your own words, as best you know how, just I want you as God's child your heavenly Father loves the sound of your voice. I want you, with the sound of your own voice, to ask your good heavenly Father for the good gift of the Holy Spirit. Just take a few moments to ask Him. There's no rush. He loves the sound of your voice. He's singing over you right now. He's singing prophetic song. It's the Father's the Father's love song over you and I. It's here by His Spirit, freely accessible. Let's ask. The Bible says, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. So we can start singing a song now, but let's have an attitude in our hearts of God. Would you give me more of your Spirit?
Let's ask him faith because he's a good father and he loves to give. Let's worship together.